It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Election College, episode 36. Chester A. Arthur takes the wheel and then hands it back over. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So, Jason, um, the... uh the whole assassination thing is getting kind of old here. Yeah, it's the second assassination in like 16 years. Yeah, Crazy. I mean, not that not that even one's good, of course, but two's definitely bad pretty quickly in a row. Um, but fortunately, I mean, we talked about the um, the death of the last president, but we didn't really mention who's going to take over. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because, you know, the nutty guy who assassinated Garfield was all about the Republican stalwart thing. And Chester Arthur was the reason the guy was like, Hey, let's kill Garfield. Yeah. And I think there was actually some, uh, some discussion or at least some investigation that maybe Chester Arthur and his buddies had something to do with it, though it was pretty much instantly disproven. Like, no, that's, there's no possible way that that was what happened. He distanced himself pretty much from that ideology um, right away. So, but still you gotta, you've got to imagine if somebody says I'm doing this for Arthur, then Arthur's going to be under some, some suspect, obviously. Yeah. So really, I cannot think of anyone who takes the oath of office for the president of the United States who comes in with such a bad footing. I mean, this is not good. First of all, uh, at least Johnson was perceived as being, okay, yeah, we can see him being president. But Arthur, yeah, he was nominated as the vice president as a compromise but right exactly part of the reason for the assassination attempt so that's just ugh. yeah it's gross for sure um the uh the sentiment obviously carried on past the common man though um i think most of the most of the cabinet that arthur had maybe all but i think it was all but one 
of the cabinet that Arthur had uh, at the time he started as president was gone by the time he ended. Right. It was except actually for, Lincoln. Except for Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Except for Lincoln. Um, which is, I mean, most of them just kind of said, I'm done. I'm resigning. I can't work under these circumstances. I'm, you know, I'm leaving. Right. Which is kind of interesting in a way because, you know, Arthur was considered, you know, as we mentioned, a stalwart. So he's, he's all about the uh, political machine and, uh, everything that was really wrong with the Republicans, especially in this era, Arthur represented. But he ends up surprising people because he doesn't just fall for the old stalwart pattern, hook, line, and sinker. He's actually taking care of some reforms. Um, he's getting some initiatives passed that are all about um, civil service and um, uh, merit-based appointments and, and things like that. So uh, he's not your typical stalwart. He's actually looking a little bit like a half-breed, even though I'm sure he would never admit to that. Right, yeah. I I imagine he would be ostracized from his poker club or something if he had. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, he carried on some of the some of the, I don't know, wishes or uh, initiatives but from Garfield, um, different things like uh, the foreign affairs reform that had come into play, uh, continued on with immigration, uh, continued on with reforming the Navy and the, and protecting the boundaries, um, got down to the nitty gritty with civil rights and Native American stuff. So, I mean, he really just kind of continued on that legacy and, it's kind of like he came into the office pretty much just like everybody was disgusted with him. And by the time he was getting ready to leave, everybody's like, eh, okay, not so bad. Yeah. So one really noble thing that Arthur did was he was actually dying. Yeah. And he knew that he was dying. He had some sort of, I think it was a liver uh, disorder of some sort. And he didn't make it seem to be like he was dying and that he knew he was dying. So he kind of sort of put himself in the ring for the 1884 Republican nomination, but not really. Yeah. I, I think there was, it was a combination of the fact that he was getting old and getting sicker and sicker and knew he was going to die soon combined with the fact that he wasn't really a hundred percent certain people wanted him to run and he was kind of okay with letting that be the case. Yeah. So here we are. Arthur's president, but 1884 looms ahead. So are you ready to talk about the 1884 election? I think that would only be appropriate since we are election college. <laughs> So, uh, what about those Republicans? Those rascally rabbits. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, um, you remember James Blaine. He was the the old Speaker of the House. Uh, he's there, and then um, you know everybody's like, "Well, you're pretty much the front runner." So Arthur's not going to run. Why don't we? Why don't we throw you up there as kind of our beacon? 
Yeah, and Blaine really was of that line of, okay, so he was a senator and he was pretty powerful. He had led the faction uh, called the Half-Breeds. So he was all about the merit-based system uh, instead of just the the old crony um, way of thinking. And he did have it going on. He was seen as the, the guy who... Uh, would kind of continue in that that line, and and a lot of people thought, sure, he's a shoe in for the job. Yeah, why not? Uh, so they did, you know, a few ballots and uh, everything, and then turns out, yeah, Blaine's going to be our man. And then pretty quickly thereafter, they chose another senator, John A. Logan, uh, from Illinois, as the vice presidential candidate, and so. There were a few other candidates um, that had uh, not stepped forward, I guess wouldn't be the word, but been nominated or mentioned at times. One of them was William Sherman, um, the dude from the Civil War, you know, the the guy who laid waste to the South. Um, He pretty much said no. Heck no. Absolutely. Heck no. Uh, He said, if drafted, I will not run. If nominated, I will not accept. If elected, I will not serve. So basically, he says, basically, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not going to do whatever you want me to do. And so, you know, in the end, they pretty much said, okay, maybe that's not the best idea then. (laughs) Okay. So you ready to talk about the Democrats? Never. (laughs) (laughs) well too bad Uh, actually the democrats in this time period are really super interesting to me um just simply because they they kind of overcame a lot of adversity that was going their way yeah you know when you consider and and we've talked about this before that they were getting ripped on a lot because they were seen as the party of uh, the south the pro-slavery party the um, the party that just really lacked uh, any moral good. But it turns out that in 1884, the Democrats put Grover Cleveland on the ballot and he is clean. Yeah. I, I mean, this guy, he's, he's looking pretty sharp. Yeah, pretty much there is nothing they can find on the guy. Well, not nothing. We'll kind of get into to a little bit. But th- they bring in this guy who's got a lot of political um, prowess, but not through the means that most people have political prowess. He's not underhanded. They can't find anything bad about him. Everybody loves him and respects him. And he's just known as a man of integrity and he's to be trusted, I guess you could essentially say. Yeah. And so Cleveland appears to kind of come out of nowhere. He's in upstate New York and actually in Buffalo and his uncle, a distant uncle is the person for whom Cleveland, Ohio is named after. So when you hear Grover Cleveland, don't say Cleveland, Ohio is named after him. It's, it's named after, uh, a somewhat distant relative. Do you think the guy from Sesame Street is named after Grover Cleveland? I bet he is. But do you know Makes how sense. he got that name? No. His name was actually Stephen Grover 
Cleveland. Okay. And uh, of course, if your name is Steven, I mean, that's kind of a weird name to have, right? Oh, I mean, it's much more strange than Grover, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he was actually born into the home of a Presbyterian minister. And they named Stephen Grover Cleveland after the first pastor of the church where his dad was serving. Um, so, he was raised in the house of a preacher man. Huh. Interesting. I did not know that. So that's how I came to be. Now, why he wanted to be called Grover, I have no idea. But yeah. he wasn't blue. He was somewhat fuzzy, but I think most men were pretty fuzzy back then. Yeah. Well, except for Hendrix, but we'll get into that in a minute. Not not really get into it, but we'll talk about who he is in a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. There are a couple other campaigns going on as well. We'll we'll just touch on them briefly because, well, just just like modern day, they have a lot of stuff to say, but nobody really cares much about it, unfortunately, a lot of times. But we've got the Anti-Monopoly Party. Um, The Anti-Monopoly Party, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. They are um, opposing business practices that are monopolies essentially they they're not for big business they're not for uh taking over um a large portion of industry and that's kind of their entire platform i mean i'm sure they had other stuff to say too but oh i think they i thought they were the ones who were against having the iron yeah um well that's part of it okay yeah hey didn't they redo the whole monopoly board or not board but all the pieces and stuff recently yeah, I think I think they did, but I will choose to live in denial. <laughs> and I will be ignorant. If somebody wants to tweet us what the revised pieces are, that's fine, I guess, but do you like Mon- are you a Monopoly fan? I am, but I feel like nobody else wants to play it with me. How about we play at Thanksgiving when we get together? Okay, that sounds like all a right. good idea. Yeah, all right, cool. Can I have the car, please? You can have whatever piece you want. Sweet. As long as I get the win. No. Okay. <laughs> We've also got the greenbacks, Jason. Why don't you tell us about the greenbacks? Yeah, so the greenbacks, they were all about... Um, I don't know too much about the greenbacks. Neither do I, and neither does anyone else, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the really interesting part about the greenbacks is that Benjamin Butler is actually the the candidate that leads in both parties. So he's nominated for president in both parties during this. uh, uh, During this election cycle. So, yeah, I mean. Hey, why why not just have the same guy? Uh, the the American Prohibition Party, they're around. Um, yeah, this is going to kind of come into a lot of play down the road. Yeah, they um, actually they were kind of cool. You know, they had their national convention in the YMCA building in Chicago, and they had all of 150 delegates come and um, really opposed everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they wanted to reform 
um, a lot of different things. They wanted to combine the anti-masonry, the prohibition, the anti-polygamist. They wanted to just kind of combine all those things into one party. Now, why they didn't come up with a different name besides the American Prohibition Party when the Prohibition Party existed already, I don't know. Um, Yeah, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like let's 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 just have everything be negative, right? Um, the anti everything party. That's what we'll call cool. ourselves. Yeah, that's cool. And then, um, oh, you had the Equal Rights Party, of course. Which that's cool because you did have women at the time who really, I mean, they're brave for really sticking their necks out and saying. Uh, I can't vote yet, but I'm going to run for president. Right. Yeah. We we talked about that a little bit in a past episode, too, I think, um, with a different party. But mm-hmm. one interesting thing about the Equal Rights Party is that um, they share a lot of things with the Prohibition Party as well. And like I said, that will come into play uh, maybe in like 30, 40 years here. But for now, we'll just touch on the fact that they existed. Right. So back to the major parties. I mean, as we have talked about, character is really important at this time. Um, The the good senator who became the secretary, um, Blaine, he um, was not spotless. And um, one of the one of the things was back in 1876 a Boston bookkeeper named James Mulligan. He actually located some letters that showed that Blaine had sold his influence in Congress to some businesses. And one of the letters that he had obtained said, burn this letter. (laughs) And so the Democrats really created a chant that said, burn, burn, burn this letter. Yeah, that's kind of a a dead giveaway that you want you don't want something repeated. If you say, by the way, when you're done with this, burn this letter. Um, I don't want. Right. Yeah. 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 There was one deal that Blaine actually received one hundred and ten thousand dollars, which is over one and a half million dollars today's money. Um, from the Little Rock and Fort Smith Railroad. Uh, they secured a federal land grant and some other things. But um, yeah, Blaine, that was a, a bit of a spot on his record. Yeah. Uh, so kind of speaking into that a little bit, um, remember when we said that old Grover didn't have many skeletons in his closet? Oh, yeah, because, I mean... He was known, in fact, as Grover the Good because he right. had really he had personal integrity. Yeah. Well, um, nobody really knows for sure, but uh, well, somebody probably does down the road. I don't know. But George H. Ball uh, was a preacher, and he was a bit of an opportunistic preacher, and he pretty much played into the fact that. Grover Cleveland had maybe, possibly, almost definitely, according to him, fathered an illegitimate child while he was a lawyer back in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And so Grover was confronted with this and um, pretty much told his supporters, above all, tell the truth. Yeah. And so you've got the Republicans and Blaine there. They're starting to chant, Ma, Ma, where's my pa? 
Do you like my chants, by the way? I was thinking earlier today when I was reading through some of these things. Sorry, I didn't answer your question directly, but yes. Um, <laughs> that what what kind of chance exists now like there's chance and there, then there's always discussions of people making up songs and singing them do we have those now and i'm just overlooking them or do they really not exist anymore um i don't recall hearing anything especially recently i'm sure once we get into the 80s like the 1980s i'll it'll jog my memory a little bit but right. i think right now it's just if you rise to number one in the polls um, on the internet, your picture is going to appear really big and they're going to show every black spot on your record right there on the, the headline. But I don't think that anybody creates a chant. We could it's get like that a, going. We, we're going to start the revolution. <laughs> Mom, Ma, where's my, I don't know immigrants or something i don't know yeah uh so anyway uh grover the good says you know tell the truth uh we have to admit that um grover did pay child support back in the day to a woman who claimed that he fathered her child um which by the way they they named after cleveland with his last name and the problem is this lady was involved with a few men at the time and nobody actually really knew who the father was, at least supposedly. But uh, Cleveland did go ahead and assume responsibility. And get this, this is the reason. Because he was the only bachelor among them. Oh. So he didn't even know for sure if the child was his. But he knew that, well, the other guys are married, so I should probably take the heat for this. Yeah. Now, keep in mind that the lady in question... I guess she's not really in question because she obviously had the baby. She was yeah. a widow. So it's pretty obvious. Though. She, she wasn't married though. Um, just in case anybody cared. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Blaine, I mean, uh, he didn't have very helpful support. <laughs> um, there, there was uh, the Reverend Dr. Samuel um, Burchard. Uh, he made the statement. He said, quote, we are Republicans and don't propose to leave our party and identify ourselves with the parties whose antecedents have been rum, Romanism, and rebellion. And so Blaine, he didn't notice Burchard's anti-Catholic slur. Um, but of no course, really did. the Democratic operatives yeah they obviously did and of course who lives in new york at the time a bunch of irish and catholic voters who probably would have voted for blaine but not now yeah definitely not now and if uh if you're running against a guy who says this and you know that it's a bad thing you're gonna you're gonna do the the smart thing and kind of get your supporters to really make a big deal out of it. So I don't think Grover did anything that would be considered unethical, but he certainly did capitalize on negative things about Blaine. And this was one of them. You know, what's really crazy about Blaine. Uh, I don't know if you read 
too much about his upbringing, but his father was Protestant and his mom was Catholic. Uh-huh. And in that era, if you had a marriage that was, you know, quote unquote mixed like that, the daughters would take the religion of the mom and the sons would take the religion of the father. Huh. Isn't that crazy? So that's really crazy. Blaine was Protestant because his dad was Protestant and his sisters were Catholic. So, wow. Huh. That's something that I didn't know until we were, well, I was researching uh, a little bit about his history. I was going to say, I didn't know that till right now. Yeah. There you go. Now, you know, well, around comes the election and man, this is going to be a close one. We've got Grover Cleveland with 48.85% of the vote and James G. Blaine with 48.28% of the vote. Ooh. So we're talking like just a little over half a percent here. That is skin of the teeth. And I can't find this now, but did I think I remember seeing that it was pretty much New York that swayed everything. Like right. whenever Cleveland won New York, um, he was able to get the electoral votes he needed and Blaine lost them. So he didn't just, he narrowly defeated him with the popular vote, but with the electoral vote, Grover won pretty handily. Right. So thanks to the good reverend who hurt Blaine. Yeah. So mama, where's my paw? (laughs) After Cleveland won, uh, his supporters taunted the Republicans by saying, Gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so, so they clever. actually chanted after the election, yeah. too. Because why not? Because we're 1800s people, so we chant instead of <laughs> talking like normal people. <laughs> we're much more sophisticated now, you know, like when right. um, Clinton, uh, when he was done with his time in the White House and the Bush Gore uh, election that was just so heated and controversial and everything. I think they, um, the Clinton staffers removed all the W's off of the keyboards. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. Um, I don't know which is worse, removing all the W's from the keyboards or chanting. I, I actually think the, the W thing is worse just because that was like, it's a pretty, you don't realize how much you use a W until it's not there. That's true. Yeah. Hey, I wonder, well, <laughs> I wonder if they'll, what they'll do in 2016. We're much more civil now. I wouldn't say that. I mean, come on. We're, we're not, we're not doing all the stuff that they did back then. Well, we're not challenging each other to duels or anything, but uh, I think there's some other stuff going on. No. Yeah, no, no, probably not. Uh, just because we should probably mention this since it was, um, you know, was, it is history and part of an election. Uh, the vice presidential candidate and, and the vice president now under Grover Cleveland is Thomas Hendricks. And the guy who lost along with Blaine was John Logan. So I think we might have mentioned their names briefly, but they went to. Yeah, and this is really a big deal for Democrats because 
Um, we have had all of these years of Republican domination, and I don't know what the future looks like, but yeah, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, I think you do know what the future looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going to say that I think this is the um, the longest stat that a major party went without winning in history. Um, yeah. I might, I might be wrong about that, but I think that's what I read. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty cool. It's because of those dang greenback party people. Dang greenbacks and prohibitionists and stuff. I tell you what. <laughs> the greenbacks that no one knows what they're about. Do you think their backs were really green? No. Okay. Hey, um, I don't know if you know this, but if you go over to electioncollege.com slash Amazon, it's getting close to Christmas, everybody. I mean, if you go over there to electioncollege.com slash Amazon, anything you buy on Amazon, we will get a cut of it, and it will cost you not a penny more. It might even cost you less. I I made that part up. It won't cost you less, probably. (laughs) But it definitely won't cost you more. It'll help us out. It'll help us pay our hosting fees. It'll help us buy our kids' presents, which will be awesome. And um, maybe we can also, uh, I don't know, um, buy you all presents too, which is not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> we're giving you us. election college for free. That's right. You're not paying a dime. So go over to electioncollege.com slash Amazon. Anything you buy will give a percentage to us. Yeah. It's like a free college education and you get to buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yep. Yeah, I like that. So, Ben, uh-huh. one of the true joys of the podcast that I get, yes. and I'm sure you get too, is interacting with everybody on ye old Facebook and Twitter and on Instagram. And we are on all three of those. Just look us up. We are at Election College. If you want to know more about us, definitely go to social media. That's the place to be. But also we post like cool pictures and stuff there and, and some quotes. And Jason usually puts up uh, a picture of a, of an old timey looking guy with a quote next to his face. And and those you can find out are the presidents as a matter of fact. So put a face to those names. And, oh, that's who those people are. I know you probably didn't realize it, but oh. I, I caught on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we really want you to leave us a review as well on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts, but especially on iTunes. Just go to electioncollege.com slash review or just look us up on iTunes. That really helps us out, helps everybody find out about us, and we appreciate it. Yeah. It'll be it'll be your Christmas present to us. Yes. And besides, the holidays are coming up. And you're going to be with family and friends, and you're going to want to look really smart. And when you tell people that you've been going to college and that you've actually given these guys a star rating, people are just going to think you're a rock star. Yeah, you're pretty much the best. Sweet. Have you made the switch to Nick's? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but... 
feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.